So I was having a thought the other day, and not a lot of people are going to agree with me, and I don't care. So tomatoes are a fruit, right? We can, <clears throat> we can agree on that. Tomatoes are a fruit, factual, absolutely. Factual information. Tomatoes are fruit. 100%. And with fruit, you get smoothies. So guess, is yeah. the condiment ketchup considered a smoothie by the transitive property? I don't even know what to say. Actually, like I, I feel like like it's Friday. Guess, Come on, loosen up. Like I get, but like I I I guess because I, I mean a smoothie is just blended fruit, no, with ice. Do you put anything else in a smoothie? Uh, I don't know. I'm not really a smoothie expert. I mean, it's just blended fruit and ice. Jake, do you make a lot of smoothies? I make no smoothies, but I think ice is a, is a component of a smoothie. Yeah. What if I ketchup wanted a warm ice. smoothie? Ketchup also has other stuff, like sugar. definitely has sugar. Smoothies definitely sugar. have sugar. Yeah, but you don't have to put sugar in it for it to be a smoothie. You don't have Isn't to. Isn't there have a lot of salt? Yeah, salt, salt too. There's definitely other stuff, too. I'm telling you, I think tomato sauce would be a better – would be better. Next like time you order, a, that's like a ketchup. That's not a ketchup. That's like a tomato smoothie. Next time you order fries, say I'm dipping my fries in my smoothie. Should I ask them for a, a side smoothie next time I want ketchup from McDonald's? Well, McDonald's now can't say that they don't serve smoothies. Smoothie in a pack. See, I think a Bloody Mary is more like a smoothie than ketchup. Ooh. Honestly, oh, that's true. But that's just tomato juice. But it's got the ice. Does have ice, but and it's if not tomato is ice. a fruit, then it's a technically a smoothie drink. So then what you can consider a, a I'm, Bloody I'm, Mary a tropical I'm drink. I'm googling what makes a smoothie a smoothie. What I think fruit is at the very foundation of this issue. Okay, let's see what Google says. A smoothie is a beverage made by pureeing ingredients in a blender. A smoothie commonly has a liquid base such as juice or milk, yogurt or ice cream, and other things can be added, including fruits. So you don't even need a fruit to be a smoothie. Right, but that's what you associate. It's just ice and juice. No, so you're wrong. Agree to disagree. I love the thought, but you, you happen to be wrong. Agree to disagree. Well, no, no, no. There's no agree to disagree. You're wrong. I just out-Googled you. You think everything on Google is correct? Um, I think the definition of smoothie is correct. It says you don't need fruit. Pull me up the Merriam-Webster so, definition of it. No. I don't have a Webster right next to me. I'm sorry. Not in a hotel in, like, Detroit. I don't know why Detroit was the first city that came to my head. Hopefully we don't have any listeners in Detroit right now. They will be very upset with you. Yeah, if you're from Detroit, I apologize. Do they have them in Brussels? I don't know, but if you are that guy in Brussels that listens to our podcast, thank you so much. We appreciate you. We love you. And I want to know what your name is. Reach out to us. Uh, our email is in the bio, I think. Reach out, and maybe we'll get you on. Thank you for listening. I'm down to hang out. Like. We should go. I want to meet him. I want to meet him. We should have a beer. I really hope he didn't just hit auto download and just never listens. That would be 
the probably the most disappointing thing I've ever heard. Friday, December twentieth. We should actually get into some sports. Friday, December twentieth, everybody. Thirtieth, <laughs> thirtieth. Excuse me. Almost New Year's. We're right at the. Uh, we're on the one yard line right now. Hopefully, we don't throw a pick. We're almost there. If you have Marshawn Lynch, you should just run it though. So. It's an exciting time of the Sorry. year. We're getting ready to move on to twenty three, and uh, <laughs> I'm looking forward to the new year. A lot of good I sports well. around this time of the year. So we're going to be doing some college football New Year's Six picks and previews today. That's what we're doing today? Oh, I didn't know. No, I'm just you kidding. I'm just memo. kidding. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm kidding. I'm ready. Let's get into it. Should we start with the Fiesta Bowl? Let's do it. Let's start. Let's start. Let's start with the good games. Why not? Let's let's start at the top because it can only get shittier as you go down. That's what they say. So the Fiesta Bowl, the college football playoff semifinal, State Farm Stadium in Glendale, Arizona, TCU in Michigan. TCU opens up as seven and a half point underdogs, plus two fifty on the money line. Michigan, the favorite at minus three hundred. Obviously, this is a dream season for TCU going 12-1, and losing in the Big Ten game to Kansas State. Michigan, although going into this game, doesn't have all the momentum in the world. They are 0-5 against the spread and straight up in their last five bowl games. So it'll be interesting to see if uh, Harbaugh can kick off the dust going into the uh, college football playoff this year. Yeah, I mean... uh... It's going to be a good game. I'm very excited for the college football playoffs this year. TCU getting in was, I, I feel like, something that needed to happen. for The the committee had to vote them in or else there would have been a, an uprising. Obviously, the loss to Kansas State in the, in the uh, Big Ten Championship was a real blow. I mean, you saw the heart that Max Duggan plays with. You saw his press conference after that interview. He just wanted, like, he's just one of those guys. He's just like, I just wanted to win it, win it for the boys. He's just a dog. Just, he just wanted to win it for the boys. He's a legend. They came up short in that game, and I honestly think they're probably going to come up short here too. Michigan has proven this year that their defense is just a force to be reckoned with, and it has been since Harbaugh's got there. So the way Michigan played against huge opponents, like the game against Ohio State, they decimated Ohio State. Right. I'm sorry, but they were never in that game. So I fully expect Michigan to do the same thing to TCU. I mean, Max Duggan, great guy. TCU, it's a great story this year. They had a good run, but I think they're definitely going to come up short. He's going to have to air the ball out a lot in this game if TCU wants to be... If they want to hang around, they're going to have to rely on Duggan, who's thrown for over 3,000 yards this year. I mean, he's obviously the heart and soul of the team. Yeah, he wasn't. A, he wasn't a Heisman finalist for no reason. I mean, he yeah. he was there for a reason, and he can sling the ball. The the only chance they have in this game is if they get into a sling fest, and he just goes out there and they put up points. If they put up points on this Michigan defense, this Michigan offense has not shown that they can like hang around in those games. They're fully relying on their defense going out there and shutting teams down. Yeah. So I think a shootout is the only way that TCU has a chance in this game. And it, I'm excited to see if 
you know, Max Duggan could pull it out. Yeah. And to that point, I think a big component of this game is the Michigan offense who just loves to run the ball. Um, JJ McCarthy, while he, you know, can air the ball out, he's obviously a good runner. Uh, and Blake Corum, um, who is out as a huge loss for Michigan with the season ending knee injury. They're going to rely even more heavily on the ground game than usual. The TCUD has to put an immense pressure, an immense pressure on McCarthy in order for this game to really go TCU's way. Cause I do think Michigan overall is the better team. If they mess up his rhythm. I think it's anyone's game. Personally, Looking at this line, I think I have to take Michigan money line. I don't hate the TCU plus seven and a half, but against a, a team who the Wolverines have a very good defense, they don't allow a lot of rushing yards. And if they're able to stop Duggan through the air, I think this could be a very ugly game for TCU. Yeah, I can I can see this game. It, it can go one of two ways. It, either TCU is going to come out hot and they're just going to start slinging the ball down the field and they're going to shock Michigan a little bit. Or Michigan's defense is just going to come out and do what they've been doing all season and what they have been doing under Jim Harbaugh and they're going to shut TCU down. I think the latter is probably more likely. But, I mean, we'll see. There, There's definitely a possibility. I mean, if, if they force J.J. McCarthy to throw the ball and to consistently throw the ball and they try to knock Michigan out of their rhythm and get them off their game plan of the, the just running the ball down people's throats, then this game could get very interesting very quickly. Yeah, no, I totally agree. The, uh, the X factor for TCU could be Quentin Johnston. Absolutely. Who's, who's, a, temple, who's a temple guy. Yeah, if they get him going, I don't know. I think it's all going to depend on Duggan, honestly. If Duggan goes out, he's the heart of this team. Like, If they win, it's going to be because he put them on his back and he said, I'm carrying us to victory. We are going to this championship game. Yeah, absolutely. I think TCU has to, to move the ball very efficiently against a good Michigan defense. And like I said, I think this game is going to be close. I I love the TCU seven and a half, and I also I like like the Michigan money line. So that's where I'm going with this pick. Curious to hear what you guys have to say, but I just don't think there's any way that Michigan doesn't come out on top here. They're they're due for a for a bowl win under Harbaugh. Yeah, I I I'm with you. I'm on the Michigan money line 100. percent they're definitely winning this game outright. Um, the TCU points is is intriguing because it obviously it is a bowl game, and you know it does have that possibility of being a good game. But I think uh, just the Michigan money line is the safe bet. It's the right bet. It's it's the good pick. I'm taking Michigan minus seven and a half all day, every day. This is going to be a 35 point win. Harbo is going to get one. Wow. I like the confidence, though. Jake has big confidence in the ground game for Michigan. Perhaps the one of the games that could be a complete blowout, in my opinion, we'll move on to the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl, the other semifinal game, Georgia up against Ohio State. 
The spread's at seven with Georgia being the obvious favorites in this one. In the money line at minus 270 for Georgia and plus 220 for Ohio State. I feel like this isn't as wide of a discrepancy as I figured it would be. Maybe because this is obviously a college football playoff game. But Ohio State, to me, doesn't look as good as they did in the first half of the season. Obviously, I still have that bad taste in my mouth from that Michigan game. But honestly, Georgia has looked like a train that doesn't look like they're going to be stopped. I mean, the only close game that they've played all year was Week 5 at Missouri, where they won 26-22, and that was a... I mean... It's a fluke game. Call it what it is. Call it what it is. It was a fuck-up by Georgia. And they still yeah. they still won. So, yeah, I mean, th- this is Georgia's season. Th- th- this is Georgia's season as it was last year. I mean, you look out who they you look at who they bring out on that field week in and week out. I mean, those are NFL players out there playing against a bunch of college kids. The, the Georgia team is just full of NFL players. Yeah, Ohio State. I'm 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 completely a hundred percent on your side agreeing with you. I have that terrible taste in my mouth because I watched that Michigan game from the beginning to the end and they just looked terrible. And if that's what they're going to do against Michigan, I have no confidence going up against an offense like Georgia and coming out on top. Yeah, obviously obviously Kirby Smart has an elite team down there. Do you think Georgia could beat an NFL roster right now. And you think they could beat the Texans? They might beat the Texans. They might. I think it's damn close. I think it's damn close. Do you think do you think Stenson Bennett is going to be an NFL quarterback? Jake doesn't think it's close. Jake doesn't think no it's close? Shot. I don't think so. But these guys get paid to play football. You See, like, this, was the, this is the only time I'm like fairly confident in saying that they could make it a good game against an NFL team. I don't think they necessarily win. I haven't been able to have that take. Actually, you can make that take twice. You can make that take with the 2013 Alabama team that steamrolled Notre Dame in the national championship. And you can make that take with the 2019-2020 LSU Tigers. I think those are three damn good college There's some other teams, but yeah. In recent memory. Yeah. I think overall, this has to be Georgia's game. I, I, I don't even think it's just Georgia. This is Georgia's playoff. I, it's Georgia's playoff to lose. It, they're, they're clearly the best team. They're, there's nobody – like Michigan, I think, is, a clo- is kind of a close second, but it's really not even that close. Nobody has played the caliber of football that we've seen Georgia play this year. It's just point-blank period. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I do have my reservations with C.J. Stroud. He is definitely one of the more accurate passers in college football, but he can definitely crack under pressure. I mean, the Georgia D is going to be absolutely all over the guy. I mean, I, I'm correct me if I'm wrong. I think Georgia's pass rush has generated 20-plus sacks this year, which ranks upon some of the higher defenses in the nation. So I think this is just going to be an absolute disaster if Ohio State doesn't find their footing very early in this game. Yeah, the only chance Ohio State really has is is if they get good blocking up front because there really is no stopping that Georgia team on defense, especially that front seven. 
26 sacks on the year, so you were right in the 20s. There is just no way that I see Ohio State blocking these guys. Like I, I think there's a possibility of C.J. Stroud getting sacked at least five times this game. So he, I, he could definitely get his ass kicked back there, that's for sure. I don't feel like this is going to be a competitive game. I feel like Georgia is going to steamroll them. That's why I'm taking them minus seven. Yeah. I'm so confident in that spread. I think Ohio State is done. That Michigan game was all I needed to see to pick Georgia, the Georgia spread in this game. Yeah, and you just have to like Georgia overall with the with the defense. They're, you know, one of the top rushing defenses this season. Um, they've only allowed, you know, they're averaging 77 yards per game allowed. Um, and like you said, they, they're, they're an NFL talented team. So I think, I think the smart bet here is to go with Kirby smart and the Georgia Bulldogs, um, minus seven, which honestly probably isn't as much point, as many points as it probably should be. So I'm taking them minus seven and the money line at minus 270. Agreed. Jake, you got any opinion on this game? I mean, I, I just, I've been broken by Ohio State too many times. Um, it, so it just scares me, but I agree. I think Georgia steamrolls them. I think They're if you, I think if you took level. Ohio State in the Ohio State Michigan game, if you were an OSU better that day, I think, I think it's almost impossible to touch them again against a team like Georgia. Especially at yep. a plus seven line. I I'm I'm with you a hundred percent. There's no way that people can be confident with betting Ohio State in this game. Okay, so theoretically, Georgia and Michigan make it to the college football final. The championship game, I don't know where the fuck it's being played. Is it it's it's probably in Atlanta. It has to be. I feel like it's I feel like it's in or actually you know what, this one is in the, the the Georgia Ohio State game is in Atlanta. Um, yeah, but I feel like I feel like I told like th- there's no way Georgia can lose. Looking at the talent that they're going up against, it's at SoFi Stadium. It is. It, SoFi is oh, probably yeah, the yeah, sickest it is, it's stadium in, in the world. Yeah, but SoFi is a sick stadium. But who in California really cares about college football? Nobody, dude. Nobody. Like, college football, the championship should be played in the South. Do they it's even just... really give a fuck about the NFL out there? Mm, I don't even know. Like, are are there diehard Rams fans, or do people just move? I to mean, LA if they were like, if they were diehard Rams, Rams fans, they were pissed when they left for St. Louis. That's true. I don't think there's any football fan, real football fans, in California. San Diego, like USC maybe. fans. But I think, yeah. So, yeah, if they, if, if, if it's Michigan, if it's Michigan and Georgia in that final, there's no way I'm still not taking Michigan. I still don't see anybody stopping them. I understand Michigan. Michigan has good defense, but Georgia is just unstoppable. Yeah, I don't. I I don't see. I think they're going back to back. Harbaugh Stetson definitely Bennett gives this Georgia team the best run again. for its money, but watch out if TCU gets into this game. That could be a bloodbath. Anybody else? Does, does Stetson Bennett give anybody else like the creeps? Yeah, a little bit. 
He kind of creeps me out. Isn't he like 27? He's he's like yes, yeah. he's really old. Didn't Boulder have a kicker? I say Boulder. Colorado have a kicker like two, three years ago that was 40? I don't know if he was 40, but he was definitely close to 30, if not in Yeah, he's damn near close to it. So now we move into the Sugar Bowl. <laughs> Kansas State Wildcats against the Alabama Crimson Tide in the Caesars Superdome in New Orleans, Louisiana. Alabama opens up as six-and-a-half-point favorites at minus 250 on the money line. Kansas State right behind them at plus 188 on the money line, and I'm not going to lie, Zach. I'm all over this value at plus 188. I think, now look, I know we're going to disagree on this. No, we're going to disagree on this, but this is a Kansas State team who has everything to gain and nothing to lose. Alabama has the advantage in just about every category here, offensively and defensively. But this is a Alabama Crimson Tide team who not only is probably one of the one of the worst teams, and I use that word very loosely because Alabama isn't a bad team, but when you compare them to former Saban teams, this team has underperformed in a lot of big games. Tennessee, obviously one of them. Old Miss was a scary game for this team. So I don't necessarily feel comfortable betting betting on an Alabama team that has time and time again shown that the big light sometimes can prove to be a very scary game for him yeah you were absolutely right about us disagreeing because i could not disagree more this is a game that alabama shows up and they say hey college football playoff committee fuck you we're gonna kick the shit out of kansas state to prove to you that we should be in that playoff that's what's gonna happen there's no, there is absolutely no possible way that Nick Saban loses this game. Nick Saban will not let his team lose this game. They are going to dismantle Kansas State. I guarantee it. I think the most important piece of this game is the ground game. I think if Kansas State gets Deuce Vaughn going on his way, on the ground. I mean, the dude was averaging almost 110 yards a game, but it's going to be really difficult to find running room with Alabama's defensive linemen. It's, and like I said, this is not going to be an easy walk in the park for Kansas State. But when you look at the teams, you know, that have consistently run the ball well against Alabama, LSU, Ole Miss, Tennessee, these were games where Alabama struggled and their weaknesses sh- were showed very clearly in this in these games. I think if Kansas State gets off to a hot start, establishes the run game, I don't see why there's any reason why Kansas State can't walk away as Sugar Bowl champions. I just don't see it. I I I just don't see it. We can ag- we can disagree on this one but I just don't see it. My pick for this one is Alabama minus six and a half, and I would take them minus 14 and a half. I don't, I don't hate the Alabama six and a half. Cause I think this is going to be a, it's going to be a close game as every Alabama game usually is. But I, I look, I look back to the LSU game. I look back to the Tennessee game. 
I look back to the old Miss game. These are games that, you know, old Miss, Alabama was able to come out with a win, but it was damn close. Like it was, it, it came down to the fourth quarter. And these are also teams, in my opinion, that are better than Kansas State. So it just shows you my opinion on Kansas State. I thought they, I thought Kansas State played TCU unbelievably well. And I think TCU is better than two at two out of those three teams. I would take TCU over LSU and Old Miss. I guess you're entitled to your own opinion, but like I, I just I don't see it. I, I TCU's had a good year and everything, but I, I, I just don't see it. I think we're going to see a lot in this playoffs. I that, that's that's it. I think we're going to see a lot. If if they if they keep it close, then I'll I'll eat my words. But I really think that this is just a case of Alabama is just that much better at every single portion of football every position on the field Alabama is better and I think that's all that comes down to they have also are extremely well coached I don't think this is I agree with you on that I think Alabama's gonna be pissed that they're not in the playoffs and this is the first year they haven't made it Exactly. That's 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 my point. That's only that's all my point is that I think they're just going to come in. They're going to have that chip on their shoulder saying like to prove trying to prove to everyone who's watching that they should have been in the in the playoffs. Especially if one of these playoff games ends up being a blowout. Alabama's going to have a lot to say. So I'm taking Kansas State. You know, fuck it. Let's ride six and a half. I'll take them plus six and a half and plus one eighty eight. I'm go ahead. I'm go deep ahead. in the hole. I'm the only way to get out is bet my way out of it. So let's let's take <laughs> let's let's just ride Kansas State the entire way through. I think this is the end of the Saban era. Like I said, you're entitled to your own opinion. The Goodyear Cotton Bowl Classic, USC against Tulane. And I'm sure a lot of people were surprised to see Tulane. If I if I told you Tulane would be in this game at the beginning of the year, you'd probably call me crazy. At the beginning of the year, absolutely. They're playing this game in Jerryland in Texas. USC opens as two and a half point favorites, minus one thirty five on the money line, up against Tulane, who is plus one fifteen. And this is crazy. Tulane was a two win team in twenty twenty one. Now they're American Athletic Conference champions in one season. That's impressive. That's impressive. I mean, th- th- this game is this game is a little, is a little interesting because uh, Tulane. You know, I don't really think they've played anyone that crazy this year, and you know, especially being in the American, there's not a lot of great teams in the American. Not a lot of teams that you're seeing in these types of bowl game that they're going to oh, see right. in these types of bowl games. So, you know, I don't. I, I think there's going to be a little bit of a shock factor right away when they go out there and they see Caleb Williams. That his nails are probably going to say "fuck Tulane" on it. So, it <laughs> you know that high powered offense at USC. You know, hopefully it gets going and hopefully they start rolling. I do think Tulane is going to put up a fight. You know, you don't win eleven games for no reason. So I do think it's going to be a, a closer game than probably people might be expecting. Why yeah. not go with Tulane in this game? Why not? You know, it's it's definitely not a bad pick. The team is built on their defense. 
Uh, they definitely have a great passing attack. They've they were dominant in conference play, and I know this won't translate you know necessarily as well to a team like USC. But they did beat Kansas State in Week Three, and uh, Dorian Williams is just a stud on this Tulane defense. Has a team leading 115 tackles, which ranks top 20 in the nation. Eight and a half tackles for a loss and five sacks. This is a this is a Tulane defense who needs to show up in Dallas if they want to stand a chance against Caleb Williams. I mean, the only way you can stop a Heisman winner is show up with one of the better defenses in the nation, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm with you. The The Tulane defense is going to have to step up. And this is, this is interesting because it's one of those games where you have a high-powered offense going against a high-powered defense and then on the other side, you have a lackluster offense going against a lackluster defense. So it's really going to be interesting to see whose worst side of the ball steps up. Is the Tulane offense going to step up yeah. and and put up points on this USC defense and just say, you know what, even if our defense can't hold them, we're going to try to outscore them? Or is the USC offense, I mean defense, excuse me, going to, finally buckle down and say we're not giving up points even if they have the be- one of the best defenses in the country we don't care because their offense ain't going to score no, so absolutely it, this is one of those games where they're both not high powered offenses and bad defenses it's it's even like that so it's going to be really interesting to see what happens and it'll be interesting to see how Caleb Williams comes back after a Pac-12 game where he got his shit hit a lot the guy is Bad. the guy is questionable for this game. He hasn't been. I mean, he's. I mean, he's going to play, but is he though? You have to imagine Lincoln Riley is going to go put all of his cards on the table for this one. I think if he does, oh, he's play, too young for the draft, right? He's too young. I believe so. Yeah, yeah, he's too young, so he's won't sit out for the draft. That's the only gonna, thing I, mean, I was thinking. In my opinion, it'll be interesting to see if Caleb Williams does come out a little you know, doesn't look 100% and is a little injured. I think this plays into Tulane's hands unbelievably well. Absolutely. Losing your Heisman Heisman Trophy winner quarterback. But yet again, we go back to USC doesn't have the strongest defense in the world, but they are a team who, you know, does capitalize on loose balls and fumbles, and they have a plus 21 turnover margin. So they are in the green in that um in that category, they are bottom 10 nationally in most categories. So if you're Tulane moving into this game, I think you have to like your chances. I don't think you love where you are. I think the defense, like I said earlier, you have to play elite defense to stop a guy like Caleb Williams. I think it'll be damn near impossible for Tulane to win this game if Caleb Williams is able to have a lot of time in the pocket and sling the rock around the field. On the reverse side of that, if Tulane's offense, and I don't even necessarily think Tulane's offense has to play a perfect game. I think they have to capitalize on missed opportunities. I think USC will come through with a couple, you know, interceptions, fumbles, recoveries. I think Tulane has to use those to their advantage to really show off the strength of their defense when their offense does get a little lackluster. 
All right. Well, my pick for this game, you know, I, I actually went into this and my pick was 100% going to be USC. But after talking, I think we just I just talked myself into Tulane. So I, I'm actually going to go oh, with Tulane. This game scares them, me. I'm going to take the points. Though. I'm going to take Tulane plus two and a half. I'm scared, but I kind of I I kind of like it. I'm going I USC. I, I, I'm going someone, USC I, 135. I'm I'm not I'm not messing around with this line. Vegas knows something about this one. I don't know. There's something there's something that we just talked about that I just convinced myself that Tulane's going to win this game, so but I'm taking the points. I'm taking the points plus two and a half. Moving on to the Rose Bowl. Now, this is a fun game. Utah is back in Pasadena for the second straight season up against the Nittany Lions of Penn State. Penn State opens as the underdog. Plus two, plus 105 on the money line. Utah, minus two, minus 125. Utah looked really good in that Pac-12 game. But it's, you know, it's hard to... It's it's definitely going to be hard to tell if they're going to be able to withstand a team like Penn State. Now, they obviously stopped a very good offense in US, USC. But it's going to be defense in this game again, like we, we spoke about the last game. It's defense. Last year's shootout against Ohio State proved that Utah could, could have the offense to hang around with a team like Ohio State. But they definitely could not do enough on defense to outlast them. Yeah, and and that was the case last year, but this year, what I really liked when I, what I saw from the Utah team was that game against USC. They they shut down a very good offense in yeah. USC, like, and they're going to have another good a, offense in Penn State to go up against. This is yeah, absolutely. But they had they have just proven that they can shut down a high powered offense. So, you know, I, I think this is going to be a really good game. I actually. I don't even know who I like in this game yet. We got to still talk, keep talking about it. Cause I don't even know who I like yet. I, I I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I like Penn state in this game. You like Penn state. I like Penn state a lot in this game. I think, I think, I think overall the, uh, the Nittany lions have a better a run game. And I think the Utah defense definitely played a little bit above their actual potential in that USC game. I think, um, I think Caleb Williams going down in that game and having some injury issues definitely played a factor into how dominant Utah was in that game. Mm-hmm. But I think having said that, I think if Utah gets after Clifford in this game, I think it could be really interesting. Utah's quarter, Utah has sacked the quarterback 38 times this year, which ranks eighth nationally. And it's really this game is really a toss up to your point where it's 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 going to be a tough game, but I really like the true freshman tandem of Nicholas Singleton and Katron Allen. They're unbelievable for Penn State. The two first year running backs combined for over seventeen hundred yards and nineteen touchdowns this year. I think for a Utah defense that definitely has some holes in it, I think this tandem is going to prove to be a little too much for the team this time around. But Penn State is definitely a school who historically chokes in situations like this. So 
it's not a necessarily a comfortable pick. I, I see what you're saying. I, I, I do. I, I kind of like Penn State. I I think they're going to lean on, you know, their guy, Sean Clifford. I mean, he's their all-time leader in passing and passing touchdowns. But a lot he, he does get underappreciated on that team. And not a lot of people have, you know, looked and said, you know, Sean Clifford is why, why we're here. Right. You know, what I want to see in this game is Sean Clifford go out there and and show them why he is the all-time leading passer and touchdown getter in Penn State history. And Penn State is without their top cornerback, Joey Porter Jr., who is skipping the game I for just, the draft. I, I just saw that, and, you know, I don't like that for Penn State, you know, but I still like Penn State in the game now. I, I'm taking Penn State, but, you know, losing your top corner who's going to be a top pick in the NFL draft is going to kill you. This Utah offense is very good. They've shown that they can put up points. So that passing game for Utah is just got a lot better yeah. without having to do anything. I mean, rising this will, which will probably be his last game for the Utes. He's done pretty much everything that he can to be probably the best quarterback in Utah's program's history. Uh, he does mm-hmm. have a year of eligibility left, but it's still left to be unseen if he'll go uh, to the NFL or not. But the guy threw for over 3,000 yards this year. His QBR was among the top 10 in the country. It's very reasonable to say this is Utah's game to lose. With that being said, Penn State, I likes, I like their offense a little better. I think that the while the Pac-12 was good, I think the Big Ten is a, is a little bit better of a competition to be facing. It's definitely stronger. It's definitely a stronger, and, and I think Penn State showed that their offense can hang around in some of these games. They obviously did not play Ohio State well at home, but there's for a lot of these teams, you could pick out one game and say, you know, they don't deserve to be here. I am still going with Penn State in this game, even though if Utah's defense does play like they played against USC and stopping that offense. I think the Nittany Lions are in a lot of trouble. Penn state is their scoring offense. They're top 20 in scoring. They're definitely going to be a handful for, for the Utes, but if they are able to hit their stride in this game and tear up that Utah defense, I think it'll be very hard for cam rising and the Utah offense to then play catch up. Even though the Penn state defense does lack some other stars. I'm with you. I'm on I'm on Penn State in that game. So we're taking Penn State plus 105. There's value there. I like it. Last game. Moving on to our last game here, the Capital One Orange Bowl. The Clemson Tigers face off against the Tennessee Volunteers, baby. Hard Rock Stadium in Miami. In history. Orangest bowl it could possibly be. I love it. <laughs> oh, I didn't even realize I that. that. I wish they would both. That I went really so over my head for a second. There. Oh my god! Come on. No, god damn it! That went so <laughs> over my head for a second. I damn wish they it. would both go out there in their in their all orange uniforms and just try to figure it out. That's what I want to watch. Oh, forget like, it. That I don't would even be a color regular game. If if you had um, if you had issues differentiating between colors this would be a, a terrible game for you to watch on tv 
I just would love if they just both went out in in orange. It would be hilarious. This has <laughs> that would have Jets Jets Bills Thursday Night Football color rush written all over it. Yeah. So Clemson is the favorite here. Updated lines from when I had originally scoped this scene out for this. Clemson is now minus six, minus two ten on the money line, uh, with Tennessee right behind them at plus one eighty. So the line did shift back. I, I originally saw the line earlier in the week at four and a half, and it's now shift back a point and a half. Does this game almost seem weird that Tennessee is the underdog? You know, I don't. I, I expected Clemson to be favored in this game because of the loss of Hendon Hooker. If Hendon Hooker is starting in this game, Tennessee It's a completely favored. different I, game. I, it's a, it turns it into a completely different offense. You know, for people that know me, Tennessee has been my team this year. All right. They have been my team. I, I don't know why. I just love them. I love, I've loved them all year. And their offense was very based off of Hendon Hooker and the way he plays because he brings so much more to your offense with his legs. He's such a good he's such a good quarterback when people are after him. He's good. He can use his legs, he can scramble, he can get first downs when there's nothing downfield. When you switch that to Joe Milton, their offense completely changes. He's much more of a passer. He's got a very strong arm. He can throw the ball like 70 yards down the field. But his problem is he's not very accurate. So the Tennessee offense is just – it's very different with him. He's hes not as much of a runner as Hendon Hooker, and he just hasn't played as many snaps with this offense this year as Hendon Hooker has. Absolutely. And to your point, the, uh, the game against Vanderbilt looked like a completely different offense than we had seen from Tennessee all year. I mean, they were really, really reliant on that rushing game as opposed to that passing game. Yeah, I mean it, it's it's very different. With, that's what I'm saying. It's just it's a different offense with with Hendon Hooker, and they have to run a lot more because I don't really think they trust Joe Milton that much. Because Joe Milton was supposed to be the quarterback of this team, his spot was taken by Hendon Hooker. So there's obviously issues with Milton that they saw, and Hendon just complemented their offense better. They struggle with Milton as quarterback. They have to go to the ground game more. They're also going to be without their top two weapons in this game for Milton to throw to. So I think they're probably going to rely on the run a lot again against this Clemson team. And I think that's probably where they're going to come up short because they won't have as much versatility with Milton at QB. Yeah, and I think if Milton did have Hyatt and Tillman as options available to him, against a Clemson secondary who hasn't held up well in ACC play, I think, like you said, I think this is a completely different line. I think this is a completely different game on Tennessee's perspective. It's a a whole different team. And we've seen Tennessee's defense this year has not held up against anyone. So, you know, I I think this is Clemson's game to win. I, you know, I, I agree with you on that. I would lean on the Clemson side 
They are missing a lot of their top defenders. There's plenty of talent in the front seven. But Tennessee, it, 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 it won't shock me if they run away with this game. There's still a possibility no, still that a Clemson, game, but... I, I think this, this, this has the opportunity for Tennessee to run away with this game. But to that same point, I do it's think just, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. I mean, I do the, think the, it'll be harder for the for the Tennessee Volunteers to run the ball than it will be to throw the ball. I think Clemson's way more front heavy on the front seven than they are back in the secondary. And without some talent in that secondary, I think the the Tigers are missing a lot back there and they're definitely susceptible to some big to, to some big plays. So like I said earlier, going back to that Vanderbilt game where Tennessee was really reliant on that on the rushing game, it'll be interesting to see how the front seven of Clemson holds up against Tennessee's line and their rushing attack, but I guess I guess this game comes down to if Milton can be able to, you know, if Tennessee start if they trust him to start throwing the ball. Excuse me, I was stuttering there for a second. <laughs> no, don't worry, it's okay. Nobody noticed. If Milton can get into a groove and the Tennessee offense can get into a groove, I can see them winning this game. But still, my pick is Clemson. I don't like the points. I think the spread's too much because it's, I think it's going to be a field goal game, close game. So I'll take Clemson money line. I'm going to go with Clemson money line and. Tennessee plus six. I think the Tennessee offense is way too reliant on the run, and they don't know what they're going to get out of Milton in real game action scenarios with the passing game. I think it's too risky to bet on. I'm taking Clemson money line. All right. And that was the college football playoff and bowl game preview. That was a great preview. How about we get fun. into some Florida Man Fridays? Do, wait, do we want to get into some baseball? There was a little moves that went around the league. Talk hint, a little baseball. Hint, hint, Gene Segura. Two years, $17 million with the Florida Marlins. Yeah. I'm not I, calling them the my, Miami Marlins. They don't deserve to have that new name yet. I didn't really understand the move. Gene Segura has not played shortstop in a while. He's been playing second base for the Phillies. He's not a shortstop anymore. We've seen that he can't really move like shortstops should be able to move. I don't like the signing from the Marlins. This seemed like a desperate, we just need someone to play shortstop, please. Yeah. So they totally signed agree. Gene Segura. I mean, that, that, that's it. The Braves locked up Sean Murphy. Seven years, $88 million. This has continued a long theme of the Braves locking up their star players to extensions since the 2019 season. They've got Albies, Acuna, Olsen, Riley, Harris, Strider, and now Sean Murphy. For the next damn near decade, lock them up, and nobody except Austin Riley is on a deal that's worth over $200 million. And you can make an argument that a few of these guys should be getting over 300. I mean, absolutely Acuna. Maybe Michael yeah, Harris well, at at some point down the line. I mean, rookie of the year, the guy was an absolute stud this year. 
Well, the Braves model and, and Alex Anthopoulos, their, their general manager, his model right now is to lock up guys before they hit arbitration. He wants to lock up guys pre-arb so he, they don't make it there. And he doesn't want people to hit free agency. He doesn't want people to hit arbitration. And this is kind of something that we haven't seen people do to this extent. We've obviously seen pre-arb deals in the past, but what he's doing is he's essentially saying, I have this core and I want to have a five to 10 year run at a world series. They've already won one. He's already done it for them once. And he has, they have a 10 year window in 10 years, 10, 12, 15 years, they're probably going to be not the best franchise. No, probably not. But I'm just a little confused but, as to why these stars are signing at such a discount. I mean, you can make the well, argument. Sean Murphy. Okay. So I, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to interrupt. But No, but go for Sean it. Sean Murphy. The, the, I understand why someone would look at that Sean Murphy deal and say that he could get so much more. I don't even think it's just Sean Murphy. I think you look at Spencer Strider, Michael Harris, even Austin Riley, Matt but Olson. You, even you have to think about what you Acuna. have to think about. I mean, you look at the what, whole slate of them. What this you is have ridiculous. to think about, what you have to think about, is that some of these guys are very young, and they understand that this game could change overnight. It could. Okay, we already saw Acuna tear his ACL. That was after his deal happened. I mean, that could have ended his career. He still doesn't look like the same player. He doesn't look like the same player he was before the ACL tear. He has He's not as explosive. The power's not there as much. He's not the same player already. So he got locked up and said, okay, I'm going to get guaranteed I get this much money. It's guaranteed. He's still an and all-star. Because though, no he does what. it so young, he will hit free they will all still hit free agency in their – low to mid thirties and they can still sign another contract after that depending on how they are at the time how this 10-year contract goes will show what contract they get after this in their you know later 30s but they're all still set up to get paid after this and sean murphy i wanted to talk about because i saw a lot of things people saying why would why would he sign this deal this doesn't why would he do that doesn't he want to go to free agency or hit arbitration the dude doesn't want to go to free agency. He's a catcher. He wants to be locked up. You know how hard the catching position no, it, is. He knows he knows he's not going to last that long. No, absolutely. He wants not. to get locked. He's now locked up with the Atlanta Braves, and he will probably finish almost finish his career as Atlanta Brave. He might sign as a DH somewhere, but he'll probably finish catching as an Atlanta Brave. And he's still young. I think it's amazing how the Braves are able to lock up this talent so quickly. I mean, eight. Eight players, seven players. Excuse me. I love the model. I, Alex Anthopoulos since twenty nineteen. I mean, oh look. I mean, they're doing everything right. It's just Lock interesting up your to me players, why don't let. I mean, if I'm a Braves fan, I am ecstatic for the next ten. years. Ozzy Albies is the the weirdest contract out of all of them. Seven years, thirty five million. He got that. That contract was very early. No, and you know, their model, like you said, it's working. I'm just surprised that guys aren't betting on themselves as much in Atlanta. But hey, maybe maybe that's like why maybe that's why Dansby, you know, maybe that's why Dansby decided to leave. You never know. Yeah. 
I'm sure they gave him. I'm sure they offered him less money than he wanted. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Cubs you definitely can't blame gave him for more. leaving. You can't blame him for leaving, and you can't blame them for sticking to their model. No. I think the the biggest signing that we've seen in the last couple of days has been Nathan Novaldi going to the Rangers. That Rangers rotation looks very solid next year. That Rangers rotation looks pretty solid. If they can stay healthy, their rotation the key. is going to be very good. Now, it, it is volatile because you know we've seen DeGrom have obviously his problems. Avaldi has never stayed healthy either, except for that 2021 season, which is why he went crazy. But these little signings have boosted them so much. And we saw them last year go out and sign Seager and sign Semyon and put up $500 million in free agent acquisitions yeah. in that free agency they were big spenders year, last year and they're big spenders this year even though they didn't go out and throw a 300 million dollar contract into anyone's face but hey yeah, i mean they this got year, the best pitcher just, in baseball this year they they were smart about it and they realized their problems everyone knew their problems going into last year they had no pitching they had their best their ace was john gray that's that ain't it that can't be your ace so they went out and they said fine we signed jacob de Jacob DeGrom's their one. They still have John Gray, Nathan Nivaldi. They signed Jake Odorizzi. They have Martin Perez. I mean, they have good arms now that can eat innings for them. Yeah. And it, it, has Nivaldi have – he's had some injury issues, right? Yes, he's had injury issues yeah. his, his whole career. But So the contract I mean, he, is – He's just he's – a tro- he's a trooper. Yeah, so it's two years, $34 million with a third-year vesting option. I'm assuming that that option has to vest if he hits a certain inning limit. It's I'm pretty sure it's a um, – I saw it was 160 yeah. innings he yeah. has to hit. So, hey, but, look, the, the Rangers, they got, they got another guy. They got another guy in the they rotation. They got another guy in the rotation, absolutely. And it, it, they bulked it up and – they're definitely stronger moving into this season. And look, they got Kumar Rocker and Lighter in the minor. So, exactly, it's a fun I mean, time to be a Ranger in, fan. I mean, Lighter and Rocker, they're playing very well. They're both already in Double A. I expect them to be up in two, maybe three years, and we could possibly see a a rotation of Degrom, Lighter, Rocker, and Ivaldi, and that's disgusting. Yeah, that's scary. And again, it's this is all hinges on if they can stay healthy. And I, you know, I don't think it's uh, an outrageous take to say Jack Leiter could be in the major leagues th- at some point this year. It's po- it's definitely possible. It's definitely possible. Kumar Rocker is definitely at least two years out, but I could see Leiter coming up if you know maybe down the stretch for the Rangers. The Red Sox rounded out their rotation today with thirty-six year old. Excuse me, two days ago with thirty-six year old Corey Kluber. There's, I have, I have no opinion. One year, Skip. ten million dollars with a twenty twenty four eleven million dollar team option. Skip. It's it's boring. The Red Sox are boring. They, this is oh, we just lost Nathan Ovaldi. Let me go go and get a <laughs> shitty pitcher to take his place. I'm I'm pissed off. I, this team has no direction. They have no identity. They should change their name because this ain't the Boston Red Sox. And then obviously we 
are keeping our e- ears peeled for any update on the Korea front to no avail. Nobody knows what's yet. happening. Nobody knows Korea. Like all of these news reports are contradicting one another. You know, just at it, this rate, it's not just let's just wait and see what happens. Korea doesn't know. Boris doesn't know. Cohen doesn't know. Nobody knows. It's not up to them. It's up to the MLB and the PA. Those are the only people that know. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Obviously, I fucking from the Mets' perspective, I hope this gets done before the new year. At this rate, at this momentum, at this pace, it doesn't look like it's going to happen. But hey, you know, some stranger things have happened in the world of free agency. Should we get on to some Florida Man Friday? Do some uh, do some roulette I, and get out of here for uh, for the New Year weekend. Love that. My favorite segment. Anyone want to get us kicked off here, or should we? Go I would. Lo- I I would love to go first. Yeah. Stage is all yours. So I, I'm actually uh, I'm changing it up a little bit this week. Um, this week is Florida Woman Friday. So Florida woman crosses getting arrested off her bucket list. So this woman, apparently, I'm not even going to try to say her name. Holy. She was getting pulled over. Yes, she was getting pulled over. And instead of stopping, she decided that she wanted to get chased by the cop. So the cop chased her, and eventually, after chasing her for several miles, she pulled over, and she told the police that she was happy that she was getting arrested because getting arrested was on her bucket list. At least she knew what she wanted. Just why? Why are you so stupid? You can't why shit you on get somebody arrested? for living why? out their why? dream. You don't you don't, you don't like freedom? Hey, that's about as free as it gets right there. Free will, baby. I'll get us rolling on the next one here. Yeah, somebody else go. This one is great. Florida woman passes gas and pulls a knife on an offended man. So this so this chick was in a was in a Walmart and a poor, according to uh store officials, she in quote farted loudly. And a bystander was offended, as anyone would if someone just ripped ass in my face. I'd be pissed. And in doing so, the guy complained, which is normal. And she took so so offense to that that he she was complaining to employees that she pulled a knife out of him. And Miami police had to show up onto the scene. To diffuse the situation, this is another <laughs> this is another interesting situation. The police report was filed with a deadly weapon with without intent to kill. So, at least it was at least there to threaten. To As at if that makes the situation any better, but it, it does. Jake, yeah, mine uh, mine stays in that same category of being weird. Um, my title is Florida man arrested for throwing a hot dog at an officer. 
So this man was just selling hot dogs on the street. Uh, police came up, checked his, see if his permit was still, um, I guess, active or whatever. And the guy got flustered and just started throwing hot dogs at the police officer, um, in which they, and they arrested him and booked him on charges. So can't be selling hot dogs in Florida. I, I, I need to find out, was he just throwing hot dogs or were they – did they have buns? That's a good question. I would assume. Because how would that change the scenario at all? I mean, if he's just out there chucking glizzies, like chucking okay, glizz. but if you're putting buns on it, that's just that's like some true shit. The buns are expensive, dude. Like, like he's just throwing away buns, glizzies. Like, okay, just chuck those. But like, come on, if yeah, he's putting it in the bun and then throwing it at a cop, I mean, I would be pretty pissed too. Do you want to put a smoothie on your glizzy or? all set no roulette time everyone's favorite time of the week i spun a random number generator and we are at 32 on the roulette on the roulette wheel today we're 32 we always get high numbers i don't don't know why but we've got three dollars on 32 and we are spinning everybody here we go come on come on oh my 27 Dude, didn't it hit 27 like twice already? Or yeah, at least once. It did. Yeah, I think so. Oh. It's so annoying. One day. We're One so day. close. We're in the – we're not in the arena of hitting this yet, but we're tailgating in the parking lot for sure. Well, absolutely. All right, everybody. We'll have a uh, happy and safe New Year celebration. Live it up. Drink a few Bud Lights. Have some champagne. Why not? Life short. Why not? Thank you, everybody, for listening to. If you get this far in the podcast, I know it was a little bit different one today. Mostly football, not a lot of baseball. But you know, we're excited that everybody's listening, and we're excited to keep going, and you know, keep coming back every Tuesday and every Friday, and we're gonna keep putting episodes out. So yeah, happy New Year, everybody. Twenty twenty three is gonna be big for the Talk Off Pod, and. We'll see you guys and we'll see you guys next year. I hate that you just did that job. Love you guys. Shouting out to me and Brussels again. I love